Oh, my computer crashed. Oh no, I've got a virus. Oh, uh, no way, no internet connection. Do you need help? Call IT Mayday. 647-977-7113. ITMayday.com. Hello there, you're listening to Linda Pinizzato of the Condo Expert. We are here today at the Hayes FM in the studio in Mississauga, Ontario. And we are having a phenomenal conversation with Sheldon Benjamin, the real estate lawyer of the law office of Sheldon Benjamin. So Sheldon, we hit one really, maybe we could elaborate on that. I would Uh, love to. Yes, so go for it. I was talking about how condominium lawyers thrive off the conflict usually between owners and their condominium boards. Well, yeah, because as I mentioned, the boards are the ones that are choosing them, signing contracts with them, possibly even, you know, putting together a, you know, a a retainer. But here's the bottom line. Purchasing real estate in the, the GTA should not be a difficult, arduous, or stressful process. It doesn't have to be. I think that when you're investing so much money and so much time and so much energy in such a a big purchase, I think that it's key and imperative to assemble the right team of people that can make the transaction and make the process as simple and as streamlined as possible. You know, it doesn't matter what business you're in, whether you're in the real estate business, whether you're in pharmaceuticals or big oil or the entertainment business, it always comes down to the kinds of people that you're working with whether they're knowledgeable, whether they're ethical, whether or not they're going to get the job done for you on time and within budget. And all too often, the complications that arise in the real estate world come from innocent people assembling not the right team of people, but instead the wrong team of people. Uh, I agree with you. Absolutely. And you know, and that's interesting because I'm going to take the step back a bit. So a person wants to go and buy a condominium. I'm not going to deal with the seller because the seller could be moving away from condos or already has had condo experience Mm -hmm. to some degree. So I'm going to deal with the buyer for a moment. So the buyer goes and, for instance, goes with an agent that doesn't really totally understand condominiums. Okay, beep, wrong decision, number one, right off the bat. How are they going to learn? What are they going to do? Go through the internet? I mean, we're not taxi cab drivers here. I mean, my children can drive people around from building to building to building. So number one is having a professional that can explain to them how a condominium works. How does somebody go about finding a knowledgeable, ethical real estate agent initially? That's a tough question. It is a tough question. (laughs) It seems to me, Linda, that anybody Um, can be a real estate agent these days because of Aurea and and because of, uh, you know. We we do. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, having been an agent since 1979, I cringe. Like I cringe at some of the agents I have to deal with. I'm going to be very right out there. Please do. Because, you know, to be honest with you, yeah, you know, I mean, going out and getting your courses and getting your license, okay, fine. But we got people that seriously, they're out there and they're, they're, they work by day as a, as a trainer. And in the evening, they do one or two deals a year and they're qualified realtors who are dealing with the most expensive investment of your life. I think what needs to happen is... And they're not even a full-time agent and much less a good producer and much less have any condo information. I think what needs to happen is that OREA, the Ontario Real Estate Association, has to implement a quality control 
program, whether they have an expert real estate agent go in and teach classes or develop a curriculum or present a course, basically, on how to be a professional ethical real estate agent. I think that's the foundation. But where could ARIA find someone qualified and experienced and knowledgeable enough to develop such a course? Well, I think that, you know, it's, you know, the whole industry is a tough one because as you know, you know, we're under the Real Estate Council of Ontario and then we're under the Real Estate Business and Brokers Act. And then on top of that, ARIA implements the uh, the courses, which are, of course, approved by RICO. And so we have a, a number of courses that are out there. We actually do. We have a whole slew of them because we need our accreditations to move forward. But, you know, the courses can be taken online. The courses can be taken in person. And interesting enough, Aria has approached me and I will be putting together a condo course Fantastic. for 55,000 realtors out there. It's needed. Absolutely. You're and the right person uh, for the job too. It's quite an, it's an honor and I've accepted because it's important. And, you know, and so on the condominium side of things, you know, I will be putting that together. It's going to take a few months because it's extremely extensive and time consuming and, and so on. And it's a matter of getting the right thing. And one day I'll be writing an amazing book. I'm so, looking but, forward to reading it, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just adding in all these trials and tribunals of all these years of so many different types of experiences. But, you know, on the ethical side of it, I mean, we have mandates and, you know, that agents are supposed to do this and not do that and learn this and, and understand that and so on and so on. But, you know, again, you know, if I go back to high school, okay, and I'm going to use this as a comparison in math. Oh my, I was like 98%. I was like a math genius. It was great. I love math. <laughs> Phenomenal. And, but I hated history. Couldn't stand it. I'm getting better at it. You know, but, but interesting enough, because I only got, you know, 55% in history, does that make me not an intelligent person, but I got 98% math. So now does that make me, okay, now where I'm going to come from here is that because a realtor has gone out and taken courses and learned a little bit, do they remember what they've learned when they left the room or did they really just sit there and go through, they're not writing any exams or anything. So uh, they're just sitting there and they're like, oh yeah, well, I got to get my, my credits and I got to get out of here. So whatever. So you're still going back to long-term experience and experiences is driven in your mind. It sits there. It stays there because you've been there, done that and gone through it. You got it and you've gone through it. So the interesting part is, is that when all the courses came to play, I mean, you know, heck, when I started the industry in 1979, not to get deterred on the subject here, but when I started in 1979, we didn't have any courses, of course, you know, and we didn't have educational classes and heck, we didn't even have computers. And so, you know, to be quite honest with you, everything has been, you know, going through learning and experiencing and understanding and growing with the times. So that in-depth information and experience is invaluable. And, you know, so not to nail newcomers into the industry, because I'm certainly, there's a lot of people that are very adverse and very well educated and very knowledgeable, but you know, if they're not in there full time and, you know, not saying this as an agent, I'm saying this now as a, a radio host, how can they actually gain enough experience to be able to carry the weight of just the course? So that's something that's food for thought, you see. So, you know, that is invaluable for people to understand. It's a great question. I think know? that that, I think that the question applies beyond uh, real estate agents. I think it applies to lawyers. I think it applies to mortgage brokers. I think it applies to 
financial advisors and people in the financial services industry, and for newcomers in particular, because, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show about changing demographics, you know, the, the older generation is, you know, slowly retiring, and they will be replaced ultimately by young newcomers. And I think that for young newcomers, particularly today, it is imperative in order for them to acquire the knowledge and the experience they need to properly serve the community in the future, I think it's imperative for them to find experienced mentors who are ethical, who are knowledgeable, who are available and generous with their time. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage both the older generation of established, knowledgeable people in the industry to take on young people and teach them and show them how to do the job properly so that they are protected and so that they in turn can protect the people that they serve. It's happened for me. I have a fantastic mentor that I'd like to mention right now. His name's Mr. Barry Kirshen. He's amazing. He is. Love Barry. He is an amazing awesome. man. Hey, Barry, shout out to you. You're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he uh, has been practicing law for 50 years. He has taken me under his wing, in mm -hmm. essence, and he has shown me the greatness of running a business of serving the community, of being ethical, and, you know, gaining the valuable experience that I need in order to do my job for other people. And that's something that needs to happen, not just in the legal community, but something that needs to happen in the entire real estate sector. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm putting, you know, as you know, I'm putting together a team and I've spoken to different agents. And the problem that we have, even for myself on a team level, is to find agents who will come on board, work with me on my team. I will provide them the knowledge and the information, everything they need. But how do I protect myself that they don't just take all that now and become independent as an independent agent and go off and next thing you know, they're my competition. So that's the sad part with our industry. That's a real tough call. It is tough. And, you know, it comes down to having integrity and having ethics as well. Exactly. I think all too often, you know, in real estate, real estate is one of these businesses where people, you know, not to be crass or vulgar, but people can make a lot of money. You know, people can make a huge amount of money doing this. And unfortunately, because of the potential gains and, and the lucrative nature of this business, it sometimes allows people to compromise their morals or oh, 100%. it's and you know in the build up towards the financial crisis that occurred in 2007 2008 2009 greed was rampant particularly in the real estate sector and people were taking all sorts of shortcuts and banks were taking all sorts of shortcuts and just lending out money to people whom they knew couldn't pay it back. Of course, you know, the Canadian banking system has compensated by tightening up mortgage rules today and well, well that they have. But, you know, to your point about taking on young talent and then having to be careful to ensure that they don't ultimately run away to become your competition, it comes down to... Um, regulating and mitigating against individual greed. And that is an incredible prospect when you think about this. You know, greed, anger, sloth, lust, these are the seven deadly sins. Mm -hmm. And these, you know, the problems in the real estate sector, indeed the problems in humanity, they can't be regulated by governments or by boards of directors. They have to be regulated by individuals. Individuals have to practice self-control and discipline and live a virtuous life. 
Exactly. And you know, and we could take that whole statement you just made and throw it right back into a condominium board. Of course we can. That's exactly what we can do. Because you know, that's where the problem is. Because if we look at maintenance fees and we start to think, okay, fine. You know, a natural increase on maintenance fees, uh, you know, f- as far as the common expenses should not be any more than, you know, say maximum 6%. If all of a sudden a building is getting 10 and 12 and 15% on an operating budget that really, you know, if a contract has gone up that much money, why haven't they then gone out to tender and take a look at two other comparable types of companies with services and see where it is? Or is the board of directors now off and hiring their cousin? Well, that's and it. Fluffing up the you know, the price of the contract and getting their kickbacks. Because again, you know, the greed and so on. So condo owners, if they stay on top of their boards and they watch and they're not afraid to step forward and make comments and ask questions. I think that that's the key. Not being afraid, being courageous, being brave, being, um, you know, uh, willing to challenge authority, being willing to ask questions, being willing to find out the truth. That ultimately, you know, it saves money, it saves time, it saves energy, and and ultimately it makes um, for higher transparency, higher accountability, and a better system overall. Oh, well, it'll it'll force the board. They have no choice, especially. I mean, if they're, you know, if they're in a situation where they could be investigated for whatever reason, I think they can't be that stupid. But you know, even if they are, say for instance, okay, they figure, hey, they got the power. And even if they have 10 or 15, even 20 people questioning them, and there's 300 people in a building, they got the power. So what the heck? They can keep the door closed. They can tell property manager, management, please don't take any questions. Don't tell us anything. We don't want to bother you. Be our front man and keep the owners away from us and do whatever you have to do. Because if you want to keep that contract, okay, and we've hired you and we've contracted you, then unfortunately, you know, this is our decision. Well, I think a lot of these problems can be nipped in the bud at the outset when uh, when you're electing board members, when a, when a condominium corporation elects board members. Oftentimes what happens is, you know, in a condominium corporation, they'll just release a document saying, you know, do you want to run for the board? And these people, you know, these documents will be made available to everybody living in a condo building. And anybody with a pen can just write down their name and submit it for consideration in terms of being uh, named a board member. There has to be more than that. There has to be a, a bit of a screening process. I think that condo boards should, you know, when campaigning or when people are running for election, they should give a speech. They should be visible. They should, you know, demonstrate their knowledge. They should demonstrate their qualifications. They should give people an informed uh, choice to make, uh, an opportunity to make an informed choice. That's what they need to do. But all too often, people bypass that critical process and just lazily and, uh, you know, haphazardly just throw somebody into a position of power without truly or fully knowing the extent to which that person will act. Well, that's it. And then they don't go to the annual general meeting and whatever happens, happens. That's and right. That's the end of that. There so, has to be more involvement exactly. from, from both the boards and the, the people that are electing these members. Well, we're pushing for government licensing for property management companies and property managers. So therefore, if the property management company knows 
or the property manager knows that something's going on that is illegal in non-compliance to the Condo Act, they are mandated by their license to notify authority. I think that this, I think that, you and know, that's the beginning. That'll be a beginning. I think an organization like the Condo Owners Association is key to developing these relationships between the government, between the property managers, between the condo boards, and between the individual owners of these condominium units. I think that the Condominium Owners Association is the missing piece of the puzzle, if you will, in terms of integrating all the parties that are involved in condominium ownership. And I want to thank you, Linda, for spearheading this movement and for doing such a great job looking after the interests of condominium owners, not just in the city, but in the province and ultimately, hopefully, all over the country. Nationally. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. I think that this is, you know, as, as a professional, as a lawyer, it's my opinion. That, that this is not only beneficial, but it is necessary. You know, last night I mentioned to my husband, I said to him, you know, everything is going to explode. What we're finding is, is that more and more people recognizing that COA is out there are willing to step forward and tell us their problems. And on top of it, now we're able to figure out how many pil- people in a particular building are coming to us. So there's more things that can be done. You know, we're, we're looking at a lot of different initiatives now to expand on that. So it's almost of a, a go between, say, for instance, if you have 20 people that all have one problem in that same condo building and they don't know each other, they don't want to speak to each other, they're afraid that the board may find out about them, but they do want to talk to other owners and how can they do it? So if we can develop a mechanism where people could literally email us we can categorize their building, then send out a blind copy email to everyone and say, look at we've gotten that exact same complaint from 40 people in your building. And if one of you wants to initiate a meeting at a particular location, let us know where that will be. And we will notify all those people and let them know that that's happening. And, you know, it's almost like the guy walking in the room with the uh, carnation in his lapel. Yes, You yes. go back to like <laughs> 1930s. Remember, that was a that was a really common thing. Oh, a yeah, who's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're styling, you know, the lady with the red hat, <laughs> you know. And um, so, you know, maybe that kind of a mechanism can actually bring anonymous people together. And in the spirit of reconciliation. Love it. I, and I think that's really what it's I'm about. I'm going to steal that. When, I when, like that. When the, it's yours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, that's really what it's about. When problems arise, when issues arise, when conflict arises, it's very easy to take an adversarial approach. I'm right, you're wrong. You're wrong, you know, uh, and I'm right. And this kind of approach, you know, it leads to animosity. It leads to bitterness. It leads to litigation. It leads to, you know, nobody wins. In the end, you know, uh, nobody wins. Even the lawyers that uh, get paid to argue these cases. They're drained and emotionally exhausted. You know, yeah, they get money, but uh, at the end of the day, right, it's, it's just a, a taxing, draining waste of time. Well, we talked about dispute resolution in the Condo Act Review. Well, this is it. And but nothing on the table was ever put about trying to get owners together with one common denominator of a, of a problem. But this is where... You see, the, that's the key thing. This is where the Condo Owners Association can come in. Exactly. Right? Instead of... Instead of fostering this this adversarial uh, system, instead of cultivating adversarial practices, the Condo Owners Association can come in, as I said, with a reconciliatory tone and bring people together. Instead of uh, putting a wedge between people and driving people apart, the Condo Owners Association 
can act basically as a um, a representative or as a mediator between the different parties. Well, especially too, I mean, if it's a one-on-one circumstance, if you have one condo owner and one board of directors and there's one immediate problem is one thing. But if the same problem is surfacing from 20 or 30 people, why on earth would dispute resolution and tribunals as suggested by one MPP, which is tremendous cost to our provincial government? And I don't know about you, but I haven't figured out how the heck we're going to even pay off our deficits. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, if we're talking about money in our provincial, you know, funding where we are right now and where our, our budget is and so on and so on, and they're looking at, you know, being able to clear things by 2015... You know, if you start bringing in more avenues where it's going to cost more money, but I mean, it's a no brainer. If you got 25 people, they got the exact same problem. There's a problem with the board. Well, what I really like too. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't take a genius to figure out 25 to one that maybe the problem is in favor of a change. Well, well, what I really like too is that the Condo Owners Association doesn't have a political agenda other than to help people. And to me, that is something that is a breath of fresh air in the industry because all too often people are exclusively interested in helping themselves, but oftentimes to one another's detriment. Whereas once you introduce Condo Owners Association into the mix, it it takes away that selfishness. It allows people to work with you rather than against you, or it allows people to work with each other through your association rather than against each other. Yeah, bringing back, you know, bringing back the community spirit. And and that's, you know, uh, that's really what we're trying to do here. Uh, the ultimate question, uh, whether you're involved as a real estate agent, whether you're involved as a broker, whether you're involved as a lawyer, whether you're involved as an investor, the ultimate question is what kind of city will Toronto be? What what kind of community will we develop collectively? And you know, people say, oh, well, one person can't make a difference. But that's not true. It starts with the individual. It does. Absolutely. And we're going to talk a little more about that because we have a future for condominiums in our fine cities. And we need to find the solution that's going to make it a sustainable future. So please hang tight. We'll be right back. You're listening to Linda Pinizzato on the Hayes FM at the Condo Expert. Oh, my computer crashed. Oh no, I've got a virus. Oh, no way, no internet connection. Do you need help? Call IT Mayday, 647-977-7113, itmayday.com. So remember, contact coaontario.com. We have a wonderful website. If you're in Toronto, you can go coatoronto.com. And let us hear your comments. We want to help. You're listening to Linda Pinizzato of The Condo Expert. I will be right back. You just hang tight. You'll get more information. Stand up for your rights. Get up, stand up. Don't give up the fight. 